0: Hey, it's Andrea. Today, the TV rules we learned for time travel no longer apply. We discuss the idea of the sexy lamp and warning, this episode does contain talk of math. Hang out with us.
1: Welcome to the TNG podcast, the number one place in the alpha quadrant to geek out about all things, Star Trek, the next generation.
0: I'm your co-host Sharice. Hey, everybody. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking about season one, episode 23, entitled, We'll Always Have Paris. This episode was written by Deborah Dean Davis and Hannah Louise Shearer, and directed by Robert Becker. The start date is 41697.9. So we have another .9, which is awesome. Awesome and meaningless. Yep. Mm-hmm. So here's what's going on in this episode. The Enterprise, along with other ships in the sector, experience a localized time distortion and then soon after receive a distress call from Dr. Paul Mannheim. Captain Picard recalls that Mannheim was ejected from the Federation Science Institute for conducting unauthorized experiments. They find the distress signal coming from a facility of a planetoid surrounded by a force field. When they make contact with the facility, a woman requests help to save her husband, and Dr. Mannheim lowers the shields. The two are brought aboard while Dr. Crusher tends to Dr. Mannheim. Picard discovers that Mannheim's wife is a former lover. Uh Uh-oh,
1: Captain Picard has a past. And And it's not a very interesting one. Some reason, oh my point. god yep <laughs> you're totally right <laughs> you're like oh, okay because later on they do do some backstory stuff with Picard and you're like what what oh my gosh he was like that as a kid or like you know just yeah. stuff where you're like oh that's you're so interesting into a fight with all these like crazy aliens like yeah that's cool. like and he was like all brazen and like proud which is what you expect from a young you know
0: hot shot and but this is not that you're this right is just like
1: womp, this, womp, was, womp. this was
0: like I stood you up at a cafe in Paris. And and also... 20 years ago. And also, yeah, the way that, like, the way that they describe the relationship is in such, like, uncertain terms. Like, mm-hmm. how serious were they? Were they just, mm-hmm. like, did they just have, like, a summer fling and he just didn't mm-hmm. show? Or did they have this, like, deep, committed relationship for years and then he just, like, ghosted her one day? We don't know. Yeah. We don't because know. Because they don't care enough to tell us. They exactly. just don't care enough to tell us. I feel like if they were going to make this episode about
1: his love story like I feel like it was very non-committal right because we have these two we were talking offline before we hit record about how there's two parallel storylines going on in this episode we've got the whole time loop just time distortion issue and then we've got the Picard with his lost love issue which are not really connected now I feel like they could have gone stronger by just picking one of those picking Mm -hmm. one to be the Mm -hmm. main like
0: and I guess they and I really, I feel like they didn't. This I feel is, like they just really, really did half and half. Two separate. They could have done two episodes that were vastly different. If they had sort of taken one and expanded, you know, like run with one and expand that, and then next week expand the second right. storyline and make that a second episode. Or,
1: yes, I agree. Or they could have gone in more depth with one or both of these storylines mm-hmm. in the same episode for example I'm just thinking right now I'm remembering the episode 100100 100, whatever that was yeah um where we have that love story with Minuet and we're kind of like what the heck is going on but mm-hmm. the main story is like the ship's being taken over yeah and Riker doesn't know and Picard doesn't know and then but like you're kind you are kind of interested in this love story where you're like what the heck is going on it's yeah. not like Romantic, but it's like fascinating. Yeah, and then you're also fascinated by these aliens. So, so there is kind of like a hook in that episode, which is what this episode lacked. Right? Like, I didn't feel a hook in either case. I felt like the time loops are kind of stupid. Like, nothing dangerous is really happening. They just kind of repeat themselves. There's Mm -hmm. no, there's no consequences to this. They even see themselves
0: at one point, and nothing happens. Yeah, against all time travel rules. All the all the rules of time travel in film and movies has been thrown out the window. All of this back to the future shit where you're not supposed to see Mm -hmm. your other self and all that. Mm -hmm. That just, it was like, oh, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. All right. One of us is going to disappear at some point. All right. See ya. (laughs) Yes. And so I feel like they could
1: have played that up to make it like, oh, this is catastrophic or dangerous or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, which I feel like they should have done, but whatever. Or they could have really played up that love story. I kept waiting the entire episode. I kept waiting for the time distortion to set them back 20 years <gasps> into the cafe uh, where they got to redo that moment Charisse, where Picard still leaves her state waiting. That would have been, oh my God. I was waiting I didn't... for that to happen the whole episode and then the episode went off and I was like, what, what, the,
0: what was that? Why did they even mention this? Oh my gosh. Okay. This is what I love so much about our podcast is that we both are big TNG people. We have the science brain, you know, to analyze all that, whatever, but we still have like such difference. And like mm-hmm. the way that we perceive shows, like in one one zero zero one zero zero one, you were like, oh, I was positive that the name code was going to be minuet, and I'm like, oh, that never even occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Same as this one, we're like, uh, that never occurred to me. But you're right, like that would have totally wrapped up both storylines mm-hmm. with one bow, which is what in you a really ideally beautiful want- way. Yes, like. They have another opportunity to make it right, and Picard still chooses his career over this woman. Which is what he would have done. Which is what he would have done had he had the chance to do it again.
1: But we would have seen him struggle with that, and that would have been, like, this internal view into his character and his values, because we would have seen him been like... uh, You know, and even if he had a moment with her in the cafe 20 years ago where he was like, I made this... Or maybe he doesn't stand her up. Maybe he shows up but tells her, I'm still leaving... That would have made you. Yeah. I don't know. That would have just so increased my respect for him, and also my like sadness for him, and it yes. would help me understand his more like his values and what yes. he thinks is important. Yeah, like it would. It could have been something
0: really special, and it just. And I was waiting for it, and it just didn't happen, yeah. and it, it was just kind of useless. Yeah, you know what? I I'm wow. See, that would have been the way to make this episode one cohesive story, but it just kind of trundled along as two separate storylines that Mm -hmm. really never, like, meshed. So I have a little, just a couple little pieces of trivia here. Um, The wife, Janice, is played by Michelle Phillips. She was best known for being part of the 1960s musical group The Mamas and the Papas. And for those of you who don't know The Mamas and Papas, their biggest hit, they had a bunch of hits in the 60s, but their biggest hit, which you can still hear on the radio, I guess in, like, oldie stations, is um, that song California Dreamin' which i love Mm -hmm. i love that song Mm -hmm. so um the band split up and she actually went into acting and she was a big star trek fan and that's how she actually ended up getting that role to play janice for one episode so i thought it was pretty cool i liked her outfit a lot it was like she was really covered up but had like the sides open so it was still kind of sexy it was was super cool yeah i thought that was very pretty
1: and she was just very pretty and she has the perfect like 80s you know charlie's angels hair going on there
0: Oh my God, 1,000%. Like, And that's just... all the good stuff I have to say about her. Because the rest of the episode, <laughs> I'm just like, what the heck? Yeah, she's horrible the rest of the time. So We'll Always Have Paris <laughs> is a reference to the movie Casablanca, or Cal. Casablanca, however you want to Interesting. say it. Yeah, so We'll Always Have Paris is like this little throwback memory, like we'll always have this thing to look back on. Now, at the very end of this episode, just to jump way, 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 at the very end, the crew is going to leave for shore leave, and they mention like what's the name of that cafe that has like those amazing blue cocktails. Mm-hmm. And Picard says the Blue Parrot Cafe, and that is directly taken right out of Casablanca, which is oh. pretty cool. That's where like most of the drama is set is in the Blue Parrot Cafe. So oh, the episode the episode has a couple little touches, and it's just basically Some little Easter eggs.
1: Couple that's interesting. Eggs. Having having never seen Casablanca, I had no idea. I've seen like scenes uh, of it, but I've never yeah. seen the whole
0: movie. I'm 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 right there with you. I I have wanted to like the movie and I've tried watching it a few times and I'm always like eh. I might
1: I might like it if I tried to watch it. But you know I have that thing about I have that thing about black and white shows that sometimes I'm like <laughs> eh nah I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I, I want some technicolor. So that's usually what happens. It's just a total bias that means nothing. Because <laughs> every once in a while I'll watch a black and white movie and I'll be like, oh it's so good. But like yeah kind of with you when it's black and white, I'm so spoiled. I'm like, but what, but where's the colors? (laughs) What color is that dress? If I don't know, I can't enjoy the (laughs) storyline. I'm kidding. So, okay. So let's go beat by beat as many beats as this episode actually has. (laughs) Which is, (laughs) I think the verdict is too many. It
0: has too many beats. (laughs) (laughs) So it starts off with this fencing scene, which is super cool. And I have Fenced before Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was in college. I took a fencing class and it was so rad and like super cool I loved it. So that for me was like, oh awesome I get to like see this a little bit and Captain Picard's form is like pretty spectacular I was like wow I wonder if Patrick Stewart had done some fencing and Mm -hmm. was they were looking for a way to integrate it or I don't know Whatever, Mm -hmm. but it was pretty cool. But I had a few thoughts about this. I don't know what you thought Um, Number one the lieutenant that he was sparring with we never see him again Ah, uh, losing to your boss—acceptable or not? What do you think? This happens sometimes when they do do competitions with the captain on, like in
1: Holodecks, because this also happens in Voyager, where there's um the captain is is like playing a game with the the Borg crewmate. And, um, the Borg crewmate loses. I mean, she's trying to beat the captain. She's not trying to have any niceties because she's mm-hmm. Borg, right. Mm-hmm. She's trying to beat the captain, but she loses and she gets so pissed because she's like, I am bored. You know, I have better stamina and better eyesight and better this and better that. There's no way I should lose. And the captain's just like, "Ah, oh, don't be such a sore loser, you know? And so, <laughs> so like there, I feel like that's like those personalities. On Voyager that makes sense for the two of them. It wouldn't make sense really for the captain to be playing anyone else on the crew because they wouldn't like that just wouldn't be polite. Right. Um, right. I feel like that here. I feel like, oh, if I was on the crew, like I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to compete against the captain because I would feel like I
0: have to not do my best. Yeah. And like not win. So I don't know. Yeah. And I mean it didn't seem like the lieutenant was actively trying to let Picard win. But I thought, man, like at one point he scored a point against Picard and he immediately was like, I'm sorry. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and Picard was very nice about it. He's like, no, you t- you had the advantage and you took it and that's what you're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. I think that kind of brought up that like, you know, in the movies you see like people going out with their boss to like play golf and they're like, I kind of have to lose to my boss. Um, mm-hmm. the, the other thing I noticed is that this fencing arena that they're in, it, it appears to be in like a cargo hold kind of a room. Oh, I just assumed it was in the holodeck. No, it was in a, It was. A, it looked like a cargo hold, and it had like kind of a, the catwalk up above. And mm-hmm. I was like, do they just have these gigantic empty rooms just for people to fence in? Like, wouldn't you just do that in the holodeck? Like, wouldn't you play like Parisi squares in the hall? Like, maybe you don't kinda- need a holodeck for that. I don't know
1: because they do have the. Do you know later on in the episode, like in the seasons where they have um. Troy and Crusher and Worf doing that, like, Tai Chi stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's also kind of like just a room, like a workout it's just, room. It's just
0: a room. Yeah, it is. And mm-hmm. I thought, interesting. Oh, gosh, that, that was kind of weird. All right. And so- now we
1: discover even more
0: rooms on the Enterprise. <laughs> the, the Enterprise, The Enterprise is nothing but the bridge, the bridge, main engineering, and then a bunch of residential rooms. And transporter rooms and, and Mm -hmm. holodecks and cargo holds. That's it. There's really nothing. And like an arboretum, we find out later. (laughs) Which I don't know if it's there right now. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) definitely not there right now. But anyway, so, so the captain is sparring with this guy and we see this like weird time loop that looks like deja vu. Mm -hmm. It was pretty cool. Um, and he rushes up to the bridge, you know, Picard calls up to the bridge and they're like, yeah, we, we felt that too. So he's like, all right, I'll be right there. So he goes up in his fencing gear still, which I thought was pretty cool. And, they get this distress signal from a Dr. Paul Mannheim. And as soon as Picard hears that name, he's immediately like on edge and you can tell something is up. Um, Did you notice, Riker asks him like you seem like you know this person like do you know like what do you know about him and Picard is there kind of absentmindedly telling him like yeah he did some studies whatever whatever but as he's doing that he's like slapping his hand with the towel have you yeah, noticed that i, I did notice like that and i was
1: like that's really uh, that's really distracting
0: why is he doing that this is something that he would most likely yell at Wesley for doing he mm-hmm. wouldn't be doing it himself that doesn't mm-hmm. i was like this doesn't It doesn't go with the character. I mean, obviously, I guess they're trying to show like he's nervous, but maybe. I was like, ah, it's really distracting. It's like, can you please stop tapping your pen? And it's really loud too. It's like smack, smack,
1: smack, (laughs) smack. It's like not even like rhythmic or anything. You're just like, buddy, put the towel down. Put the towel down. I think I would have liked it better if he twisted the towel. Something a little more subtle. Yeah, (laughs) uh, A a more (laughs) subtle sign of anxiety than like smacking his leg with a towel and being like, I'm going to change. And then Troy comes after him and is like, Captain, you have some very strong emotions right now, and so he's like, "All right, what do I do about?" It? Like, I actually really appreciate that when he's confronted with this fact of like, "Hey, I saw that reaction, and I like, I think you have some unresolved issues." And his response wasn't like, "How dare you?" or "Have no mm-hmm. unresolved issues," or mm-hmm. something like I would probably say, "What are you talking about? I- I'm fine. I'm fine." Um, but instead, the <laughs> captain was just like, "All right, like you're right. What do I do about this? How do I how do I resolve these unresolved issues?" And I feel like Troy was so effing unhelpful. She's like, "Well." You need to analyze them and put them in perspective. Oh, that's all I need to do, Troy. Thank you so much. Over the past 20 years, I didn't analyze or put these in perspective. What does that even mean? Worst counselor
0: ever. This is the equivalent of telling somebody with anxiety, just relax. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. That's all I had to do, Troy. Thank you. Yeah. Why didn't I try that? (laughs) (laughs) I, I I get hit with some mean insomnia from time to time. So I could be tossing and turning and I, I'm very close with my mom. So I'll check in with her, you know, here and there throughout the day and see yeah, she's doing whatever. And if she's like, wow, you sound really tired. Are you okay? And I'm like, God, I didn't sleep a wink last night. And she goes, well, why don't you just try like closing your eyes? <laughs> I was like, thank you, Troy. Oh, that's all it took. Okay.
1: Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's exactly why that's, I couldn't sleep. That's I exactly forgot <laughs> the part where you close your eyes. That's why. If only that's I all had we needed. That's all we needed to like do. Baby."
0: But in Troy's defense, though, I do think that she had a very diplomatic way of getting across to Picard why it's important for him to actually face whatever those feelings are. Because she had said, like, she had said, like, I don't mean to pry into your personal life and I have Mm -hmm. no interest in doing that. However, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do your duty if you have these other, like, intrusive thoughts, like being present. So you really need to, like, find some way to process that. And I was like, holy crap, that was such a great way to get to do her job to say, it is my duty to inform you that like, it looks like your feelings are going to get in the way of you being able to do your job. So I appreciate that too.
1: I love how she had the courage to do that. I just wish she had some more helpful advice for how he was supposed to do that. Yes. She's like, you need to, you need to process your feelings. How do I process my feelings? Analyze them. Okay. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, but, but he does, he does take her advice though mm-hmm. in his way. And he goes to holodeck three and he play, replays a memory from a cafe in Paris. Um, a couple things when he looks at the Eiffel tower, did you notice it had this like big ass, like hideous tube that like ran right through the bottom of the Eiffel oh, tower? no, I didn't notice that. I didn't
1: notice that. The I noticed they had some flying things around to make it more spacey, but I didn't see that. Oh my gosh, yes, the
0: Eiffel Tower now has what looks like a raw sewage processing plant, like running its tubes, like right through the Eiffel Tower. And I was like, I'm sorry, UNESCO World Heritage Sites would never <laughs> allow that shit. You guys get your facts right. Like, it was just like, it basically became just like a hub of, like, I don't know, some sort of like a, like a, Subway system or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell?" Mm-hmm. So he had a date with a girl at that ca- at the cafe, and then he mentions like he never came. And he also talks to that girl who's been stood up. I had a question about that. Maybe you can answer. Mm-hmm. It. Was that girl supposed to be Janice, or was he just seeing like another girl go through the same thing and feeling bad for? Her? I don't. Kn- I was like, "Is yeah, this supposed so to be her?" That, like- that
1: was also my question because clearly it's like a young blonde girl, mm-hmm. right, with like you know a cute saucy outfit. And so yeah. I thought the same thing. But she did have a little bit of an accent, which Janice does not. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it just was like another random girl that that coincidentally was being stood up at the same day, at the same time, like the next table. But like my question with this scene was when he recreated Paris um, and he said the day, the time, the location, it was populated with people. And my question was, did they recreate the people who were there that day and that time? Mm. Or just fill it with random filler people? You know, video games just have like the computer player? Like, do they just fill yes. it with random filler people? Or did they recreate the people who were there that day, that time, that place? That's a really great And then that kind of made thought. me think... Yeah, and it made me think of that hollow ethics episode that we had where I was like, well, would it even be cool to recreate people who were actually there? Because like, yeah. again... That wouldn't be cool with that like leave me alone like do not yeah. recreate my body in any way shape or form well yeah because on a holodeck
0: because you're just there at a cafe like having your little like glass of wine and cheese mm-hmm. like you're not expecting that your likeness is going to be used 20 years later for this guy to just like work out his demons <laughs> like mm-hmm. can't you just fill it with like holodeck filler characters so I right. wondered about that. I was so like, I is that supposed to be her? Is she's but just. But then I feel like she would have
1: said something or he would have said something like, that's her. She looks so beautiful then. Or she would have been like, Hey, that's me when I was, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. She saw her there when she, yeah, came, that's right. At the end. It's
0: like, that's right. That's right. So, so Picard, Weird, but Picard, yeah, it was weird, but Picard very quickly is like, okay, I don't have time for this. Like. Emotional bullshit. Like, there's a job to be done. So the Enterprise reaches these coordinates. Like the Picard
1: we know and love. Yeah,
0: yeah. He gets sappy for about four seconds, and he's like, "I don't have time for this." And then off he goes. Mm -hmm. So they reach the coordinates, and they find more coordinates to follow. So it's a it's a relay beacon. I this was something that caught my ear. Worf reads the coordinates really fast, and Mm -hmm. Geordi doesn't look up anything, and he immediately knows where that where those coordinates are. <laughs> and what kind of star there is, and what kind of fucking partner star there is, like the secondary star. I was yeah. like, "Come on, Jordy, you he didn't." He's like, "Wow, that's really remote. It has this kind of cluster star, and it has a <laughs> pulsing quasar, and it's it's like, dude, no, Jordy." No. So what you're saying is data should have really been the one to say that, that he could be recalling something from his there we memory bank. There we go. That would have been more believable. But Jordy is like, oh, I'm glad you brought up these numbers because I know exactly where the fuck that is. But also <laughs> he reads the numbers so fast. I, in my mind, I was like, slow down, man. It's like when somebody reads a phone number to you too fast yeah. and you're like, I need you to give me that again. Like slow down and give me that number again. And mm-hmm. people, you know, like when you have your number memorized, you're like 555-3174, whatever. You say it so fast poor Jordy was like, not only do I know, (laughs) not only Mm -hmm. have I committed those numbers to memory, I know exactly where it is. (laughs) And I know what the secondary like backup star is. Give me a break. Give me a break.
1: The other question I had about this scene with the numbers is I was like, the coordinates they're giving sounds like longitude and latitude. And then later on they say, oh yeah, the longitude and latitude. And I was like, but that's, that's talking about the, that's talking about earth, right? We're taking our spherical earth turn it into like a flat two-dimensional map. And that's what longitude and latitude yes. is. It's like yep. the two-dimensional yep. you know, location on a flat map. Absolutely. And so I was like, but if we're talking about space, don't we need a third dimension here? Like, don't we need a <laughs> Z-axis? Like, I was literally sitting here going we're missing a whole string of digits because now we're not just staying in this one, you know, this flat space from here to here
0: on the planet, but now it's like the universe and Ah. where's our frame of reference. See, exactly. In relation to what? So we have latitude and longitude in relation to other places, but space is like, where is your central point that you're basing all of these coordinates like as a, as a relation to that central point? Like where the hell is that? But it brings up a good, it brings up a good, Point. So when you're talking about three-dimensional space, you need an x-axis, a y-axis, and a z-axis. And we've just lost three quarters of our listeners right here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because they're yep. like, oh, this is a math episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, I'll tune in next week, whatever. <laughs> but if you notice, the coordinates actually, they read up, I don't know what the numbers were, but they read it out like Five four zero one point six seven two two point three zero zero. Whatever. Oh, did they so have two points? The, I missed so the other it point. did have two points. Oh, okay. I so that. it does give like an X, Y, and a Z. But okay. I was like, all right, okay, we're good. all right, we're good.
1: I, I, I take back my concern then about the scientific <laughs> well, accuracy the of space travel. <laughs> I really was. I was just like, you can't just go left and right. You're in space. Like you've got. Come on. It's just. It's not just See? left, right, up, down. But anywho
0: had any, so that's why we should be consultants for like star trek because we're like i'm sorry uh we'd be the actually it's like actually it doesn't work that way and then yeah, we'd be I fired my notes underneath that i put in uh time
1: travel and space travel are confusing that's what i put underneath where's the f and z <laughs> axis That that was my next note
0: Literally, i like, I'm reading it's it right turned, now. It has literally turned into a math episode, guys. <laughs> Everybody get your algebra homework out. All right. So they arrive at the base and Picard very awkwardly does not introduce himself. And he says, this is captain, uh, captain of a starship. And so of course, Data kind of looks back and Riker's kind of looking at him and they beam the doctor and his wife up and Picard rushes to sickbay. And then here's the start of this, like, completely pointless storyline when the wife sees Picard she completely forgets about her husband who (laughs) Who is is in the middle of like convulsions and dying and is flirting with Picard and she's like you well, I didn't expect to see you here. And then she's like, gosh, look how well you've done for yourself. It was the equivalent of like, wow, you've really grown. Like <laughs> It's like you have a starship. Yeah. Meanwhile, the husband is like drooling and convulsing and mm-hmm. all that. And and Crusher's like, I need a medical team now, right? And she's like, mm-hmm. shh, 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 Picard, let's
1: take a walk to the arboretum. Yeah, <laughs> and the other thing that was weird about this scene, besides that part, was the fact that when he was like, okay, I need to go down there immediately and talk to the doctor because I need to get like you know, I need to know what happened and how we can fix it or whatever. He goes, Riker, Data, you're with me. And I'm like, okay, I wonder why they're there. And then they get there and it's like, it's you, it's you. I never thought I'd see you again. I never thought I'd see you either. Uh, why are Riker and Data here? They just keep looking <laughs> at each other so awkwardly. And they're, they're it's like, like, we need to like talk. Super let's
0: go awkward wingmen. They're like, I guess yes. you don't need us here. I'll yes. just go back to my calm.
1: And then they go into the separate. He's like, let's go into a separate room and talk. Cause you know, your husband's dying here and it's kind of loud. So they go into the separate room. They go into your dying husband is making a little too much noise for me to my game with you. Exactly. So it's like, (laughs) let's go into Crusher's office. So they go into the Crusher's office. And again, it's just like, wow, I I can't believe. And it's just like, I mean, you just see data and Riker like, "Mm -mm." and then it's like, okay, tell us something about this, you know, this ship and this lab and like what's Mm -hmm. going on. And she's just like, I don't know anything. My husband does all of that. And I was just like, ugh. I'm over her. Yes. Be on over her. Why don't you know anything? Okay. If you don't know anything, we don't need to be talking to you right now. I'm sorry. Yes. Love story, whatever. But he is dying. Time loops are happening. Who has the information that we need?
0: Yes. You know, okay. So Gene Roddenberry's idea of what the future would be would be that like everybody was equal and, and like men and women were viewed as the same and all that. But God damn it. He just like totally took this like fantastic little like dream ideal. And then, as I have become fond of saying, just shit the bet on it because all of the female characters are either mm-hmm. overly emotional or super whiny or just really dumb. Like in too short a season, an episode, I still never want to talk about ever again, (laughs) Anne or Annie or whatever, because she's such a forgettable character. Mm -hmm. She is just so like vapid and dumb and like forgettable Mm -hmm. and has no depth. And, And so is Janice. It's like your entire existence on this episode is just to try to step around your hu- your husband's dying body to flirt with this, like, ex-flame of yours. Like, you're not going to have any other priorities over trying to, like, figure out, like, mm-hmm. what happened? This th- You got stood up in a fucking cafe 20 years ago? Move mm-hmm. on, girl. There are bigger issues at play here. Why are they talking to you? Like, the fact that the writers, despite saying that women and men and all aliens are all treated the same, mm-hmm. clearly show that women are not equal to men because they're Mm -hmm. like, they're not power players at all. Even Yar, like she, she peaced out. She's like, I'm super done with this shit. I'm out of here. And she was the only character besides Dr. Crusher, who was like a woman about her business.
1: Yeah. You know, like Troy is crying (laughs) all the
0: fucking time. Like, why are you making the female characters so just like unlikable and unrelatable, unintelligent? Like that for me was like a real gripe with this episode. I'm like, oh, we have another female character who fucking sucks. Like, I hate that. She's very much, she's very much the sexy lamp. And
1: I think I mentioned this before in a previous episode, but Mm -hmm. I talk about this a lot. So I'm going to say it again. I was at a, (laughs) I was at a Comic-Con, I think, um, or WonderCon. And anyways, I was at a panel of these female comic book artists and they were talking about the challenges of writing strong characters, strong female characters in comic books, because they always end up, whatever the character starts out like, they always end up looking exactly the same, super thin, super blonde, big. Boobs like that. So that super sort of thing. long hair. Yeah. Yeah. They like. They like. No matter how they start, they always end up the same. And so one of the women was saying that a lot of times, female characters are written as sexy lamps. Like their whole purpose. Yeah. Is for the hero superhero man to go and save and rescue them yeah and she was saying you know that you have not written a good character if you could replace that character with a sexy lamp and the storyline does not change that the it. sexy lamp gets kidnapped the sexy lamp is in danger someone needs to find the sexy lamp it's lost again you know like yeah. if you could just replace the character then you have not done a good job building out that character and this char- Janice is a sexy lamp like we could just yes. replace her with the lamp and it was a lamp that she that loved Anne. 20 years ago yeah. it was a lamp that was really you know, it was just I mean, yes. there's
0: just nothing there. She's, she's Anne from Too Short a Season. It's just there's no depth and no reason for you to be there other than somebody needs to stare at you longingly. And that's it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely a sexy lamp. So Janice explains that Mannheim was pushing this experiment further and further and an explosion in the lab killed a bunch of research assistants and as a former research assistant myself I was like oh man <laughs> I was like that really fucking sucks. I think the
1: research assistants are the new red shirts they are. TNG. They're just like they so are. disposable.
0: They are they are and so he became like more and more and more <laughs> obsessive the closer he got to his goal of like pushing gravity and time as like a singularity or something. It's again, of like finding,
1: finding universes, like parallel
0: universes yes, through time yes. travel. Yeah. And so, and honestly, that has a lot of cool, like, it has a lot of cool potential. Potential, yeah. Right where you can have like the fabric of space and time starting to tear apart in these different dimensions, like, and and it is explored several times in TNG, like where you have mm-hmm. all those enterprises all starting to show up at the same yeah. time, and it's like time. They do, some like, cool like, cool. yeah. they do some cool but stuff That's fucking cool. Yeah. Some cool stuff. But this with that. was like not, not here. This was like, uh oh, there was a little crack. So we're just gonna see a couple of like Mannheim effect things where like space and time kind of collide for like a second, and then and then that's it. So. And I think I would have liked something again. It's like they could have really played up that angle.
1: They could have done it where like time and space are colliding and everything's going to be torn apart. And at Mm -hmm. one point Picard does say, we've got to, we've got to figure out this Mannheim effect and get it handled. Otherwise it's going to rip time apart in this Mm -hmm. area. So he said it, but they didn't show it. And I would have loved to see instead of them just being like duplicated in the hallways, some actual damage. Like, even physical strain on the ship of it being in two universes at the same time or like whole oh, kids popping or like just, I would, something. stuff exploding because you saw your past self. Just well, And this is,
0: yeah, this is, this has shades of where no one has gone before where like your thoughts shape reality. And he did say like, it has to be stopped or it'll spiral out of control. And reality as they perceive it will not be the same. And I was like, oh wow. Okay, we've already seen this in episode five of season one when the traveler took him way out to like the m33 galaxy and beyond and like we've already started to explore that and it would have been really cool to keep teasing that out and i do like that time and the phrase space-time continuum like it becomes so regular in mm-hmm. tng because they do explore that but man this sexy lamp situation is just dumb like it it immediately cuts to like, you know, Janice is explaining like this, you know, he became like really obsessive with his work, like the closer he got to like the singularity, like the more things kind of spiraled out of control. And then immediately it's like, let's go talk over here so I can flirt with you more. I do like that Mm -hmm. Beverly walks in and she's like, oh, okay. So Picard's past is kind of Mm -hmm. in the present now. And she, and she's kind of confronting him. Um, So (laughs) Dr. Mannheim is, so Beverly actually handles it like a pro. Where Picard kind of awkwardly is like, "Uh, she's an old friend," and Beverly's like, "I gathered that, but I'm more interested in Doctor Mannheim because he's dying and I cannot stabilize him." And I was like, "Yes, Beverly, be a badass about your job and like put your job first instead of like whatever this weird like love triangle is. It's like a double triangle because it's like Picard, Janice, and Beverly, right? And then it's like Picard, Janice, and Doctor Mannheim, so it's like two Mm -hmm. triangles kind of spinning around here. Weird Venn
1: diagram. Yeah, a Venn diagram." of messy love. Yes. What I really liked about that uh, uh, so I liked that Crusher was um a professional it was just like I yeah. get it. I see it. And then this conversation that she has later on with Troy, I really I really did like when Troy came in and she was just like, "Uh, you didn't come to, to talk about Dr. Mannheim." Mm-hmm. And Troy's like, "I'm the one who's the empath or whatever." But mm-hmm. then when they, they talk and then she's just like, "Beverly, how are you doing? Like let's talk about this." And she was just like, "I'm not interested in talking about this. I cannot compete with a ghost from his past." nobody can Mm -hmm. she was just Mm -hmm. like well she's not in the past she's in the present now she was like but it's the past he's in love with I just thought that scene right there was so powerful like as as like a lifelong truth Mm -hmm. that was like a little gem Mm -hmm. um inside of this like you know mess of an episode I really liked that because I was like that's true you cannot you can't compete with a ghost from someone's past and it actually reminded me Andrea of Haven the episode where yes. Troy needs to be married to the Prince Charming. Yep. And he was in love with the woman of literally of his dreams. And then when she saw that, she was just like, oh, like, who's this? And he was just like, it's just a silly like childhood thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've just always seen this woman, like whatever, you know. And it kind of reminded me of that, of just being like super mature about it and being like, I am am I can't compete with a ghost or mm-hmm. I can't compete with a dream and I'm mm-hmm. not going to. Yeah. And I really, I really respect that.
0: Cause I feel like I would want to compete. So
1: <laughs> I really, I really respect that.
0: They well, yeah. It. And I think even understanding that you can't compete with the ghost of somebody's past, you can still understand that logically, but like be really hurt about that or like yeah. ha- feel some sort of way about it. But Beverly, I love that she acknowledges like, yes, I am human. Like I know I have eyes. Like I can see that they're like getting their flirt on while I'm trying to stabilize this fucking guy on the table. <laughs> but Uh, again, like I'm not going to even try to go down that road. And I like that that gives us a little bit more of a glimpse into like, yes, Beverly, like in, in, I can't remember the name of the episode when they were on the holodeck and playing that 1940s character. Remember Beverly was like, the big goodbye. Thank you. Like that's been bugging me for days. I'm like, what is the name of that episode? (laughs) Um, but she clearly like wanted to have a date with Picard on the, holodeck. and mm-hmm. then he was like way too obtuse and like didn't pick up on that. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a little more. It's like she's dropping breadcrumbs for us to pick up. Like, yes, there there is something here. It's not totally defined what it is, but like, eh. but so it does become a little bit of a triangle. But like, she's like, I. It's like Armis from last week's episode. Like, I'm just not playing with you, and mm-hmm. game over. Mm-hmm. So, so here's I have work wh- to do, Troy. Goodbye. Yes, Goodbye. it it totally it totally is that where it's like this is how I feel, but like I'm not going to compete, so I've got work to do. So the Mannheim effect is starting to strengthen. So Picard, Riker and Data walk into the turbo lift, have a little conversation, the turbo lift door's open and they see themselves deja vuing like walking into the turbo lift again. This to me felt like Picard, Riker and Data walk into a bar. <laughs> when I wrote that in my notes I'm like they walk into a turbo lift dot dot dot, right? So the duplicate we it immediately pans to like the previous version, the the one from like 20 seconds prior mm-hmm. and, we're, and we're out in the hallway looking at those three and data thankfully is there and he's able to surmise like we are the real mm-hmm. versions of ourselves, but they're also the real versions of us too. And the turbo lift doors open again and they kind of peer in and they're gone. And I was like, wait, 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 do you guys just disappear? How are you allowed to see all of the film and television rules that I grew up with? For Mm -hmm. time travel. We're talking Back to the Future. It's like you do not see your future self. Also, you have to play guitar well enough at the dance for your parents (laughs) to kiss or you will not exist. So you either have to... And we can't even say that they didn't have the benefit of Back
1: to the Future. Because didn't that movie come out in like 1985? It came out in 85. And this episode came out in
0: 88. So what are you all talking about?
1: Three years to reflect on one of the greatest movies of the 80s. Ever. To instruct them about about their time travel capabilities.
0: Yep, yep. Apparently, they thought they were too good for that. I don't know, <laughs> but they disappear. So it's like where'd the duplicates go? But again, you're right. It's like there's not enough drama. I feel like there's not enough of a consequence. So it's like eh, mm-hmm. they just disappeared. All right, back to work, everybody. So, yeah, had something terrible happen, then we'd be like, oh no, we must finish this Mannheim effect quickly. Couldn't we but just kill? Just like, couldn't we mm-hmm. just kill off another chief engineer? Just see, like, <laughs> let's just kill off another chief engineer so we can see how bad things can get with this time like dilation happening or whatever the, the time effect is happening. Yeah, the time loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, but no, it's like literally nothing happened. So we're like, okay, so why do we care? However, data does say it's strengthening and it is being felt like further and further away in the sector. So like it's going to keep spreading if we don't stop it. So Here's, here's actually something I do want to touch on in this episode. The actor who plays Dr. Paul Mannheim, I did not get his name. I thought he did a phenomenal job when he comes to consciousness and his mind is trapped between two dimensions and mm-hmm. he's like open to crack in the time continuum and it has to be stopped. And, he is like trying to keep himself in the moment to convey to Picard and company, like you have to stop this or here's how you do it. But his mind keeps getting like sucked back into this other dimension. And I was like, this dude is acting the hell out of this right here. Like this is the only good acting in the whole effing episode (laughs) because Picard is being a teenager. This woman is like being just like the worst wife in history. And like, he is the only one Dr. Mannheim is the only one who's like, he's like, I was like, this dude deserves like an Emmy for his like guest appearance. Cause he just killed it. Like if I had to have an acting role and I'm not an mm-hmm. actress, so I have no idea. And they're like, you're trapped between two dimensions. I don't even know where I would go with that, but mm-hmm. he fucking killed it. I don't know if you noticed that, but I was like, this dude is chewing the scenery up in like a great way. He He, he was a, nailing it. That's a great point. I didn't notice
1: that. What I did notice because it annoyed me was that he doesn't speak in contractions that I did notice. And I was like, who are you data now? Like oh. everything he was saying was like, I cannot be into like everything he said, like he wouldn't contract mm. any of his words. And he had this weird accent. Yeah. That was maybe a little German E I'm not really sure where he was yeah. going with that yeah. either. So I did notice that. And I was just like, wow, every time he talks, I'm so annoyed by what, by him talking, but <laughs> Now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Like he did do, he did, he did play crazy very well. He did, he did really. Yeah. He was like, like his his mind is, is split or broken.
0: Yes. Yes. And you're like seeing you're in one dimension, but you're seeing Mm -hmm. into another and you can't quite tell like which one you're in. I was like, this is really, really cool. Like I wish we would have dove into that more, but all right, whatever. Yeah. Me too.
1: Because he's just like, yes, it's different. And I can't even describe it. I was kind of like, well, yeah. I guess you can't describe it, and like we we're asking too much of this character <laughs> to like give us more. But yeah, if we would have explored that a little more, that could have been interesting too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he he also does have that moment where he talks to Picard, and he's like, "I kind of know all about you." Um. So this is awkward, but he mm-hmm. does he does say like, "I don't know everything, but Janice has told me enough." So it seems like it wasn't just like a passing like little fling. Because you don't tell your husband about a fling you had like 15 years ago years that lasted now. like yeah. two weeks, right? It's like, now, right. yeah, whatever. Right. I don't even remember old what's his name, right? But it's like if you have even talked to your husband of 20 years about this like gigantic heartbreak, it's like, yeah, okay. So you guys had like this big relationship. So Picard, despite the fact, like, I don't care how scared you were, you do not just ghost somebody <laughs> like you have this like deep and loving relationship with like I don't, I don't care what your issue is. You do not ghost someone. That's not okay. But he, he Doctor Mannheim does say like, if something does happen to me, like please take care of her for me. And I thought that was that was very like tropey eighties movie, right? Like take care of my wife for me, mm-hmm. well, former she can't lover. Take
1: care of herself, clearly.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. She's because a sexy lamp. She can't. She had. She can't think for herself. She has, she has no, no skills. She has no autonomy whatsoever. And she can't. Yeah. You can, you yeah. Gotta, we were all gonna nice whisk little... her away. I wouldn't be friends with Janice. I'm just no, saying. No. We, would, I, we, we wouldn't be in the same clubs and you know, together. <laughs> and honestly, she she even admits that she, she's a sexy lamp because she's like, I always knew you'd come charging to my rescue. And at the end, she's like, I expect you to keep coming charging to my rescue. Bitch, get a job. <laughs> 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 get, get some autonomy. What
1: would have happened? What would have happened if her husband died? She'd be like, "Uh, uh, she would have fucking starved to yeah, death." Yeah, she has no skill. She has no. She's not in charge of anything. She doesn't have a management course or
0: something <laughs> like. Do something for yourself. Yeah, like, and I mean, let's be very clear here. Like, you and I are friends because we're like very independent women and whatnot. Like, and we've been through like emotional, you know, ups and downs and been there for each other mm-hmm. with the relationships ending and whatnot. But it's like. You will pick up the pieces and you will like hurt and you will move on Mm -hmm. and you will be able to handle your business because this is Mm -hmm. not some like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, like when you become all wispy and shit, it's like, no, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that Mm -hmm. at all. Like (laughs) get, oh, Janice, you're so
1: annoying, but she was very pretty. So she's got, and I always tell people, you know, I mean, I always think to myself, I don't tell people this, but I tell, I say it in my (laughs) head. Like, well, you got to have something. <laughs> so if you're, if you're not going to have skills or smarts or I mean ability, I guess, but you got beauty, like rock the heck out of that. Like you, whatever tool you have, that's the only card you've got. You better use it. Yeah. Use it. Use it. So like, whatever. That's why she wouldn't starve because she'd have somebody charging into her
0: rescue. That's right. Because he would come <laughs> charging her. Res- <laughs> oh my God. I hate you, Janice. Anyway, so. <laughs> I hate you. You're a horrible person. You're fle- flirting with your ex when your husband's dying. That for me is like, if something were happening, yeah, if was, something were happening tacky. to my husband, I'd be like, I don't have space in my brain for anything other than frantically trying to make him better. Like, there is no.
1: Let alone flirting, literally over the uh, bed, like like
0: oh, that's it's Oh, it, uh, like it's like the HIPAA thing where you're flirting over the bed to each other. <laughs> like he's in the middle of you guys. Okay, this is awkward. I'm gonna step away now. No wonder Doctor Crusher was like, you know, I I'm really rethinking Picard. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm good. So okay, good but Data
0: does get down to the lab, and I had like a whole bunch of stuff about the lab. Number one, those neon tube doors. Oh, that was like yeah. my eighties childhood right there, right there. I was like, I want some fucking neon lights that are door yeah. that, Oh my God, it was so cool. Yeah. I th- and I thought that maybe they were like, you know, like the laser tripwire mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: things that like, if you touch it, yeah.
0: like electric, but it really was just like solid. And then when, yeah.
1: But maybe, but maybe it was because data was very careful to not touch them when he That's went true. through. And I remember thinking to myself in that scene, I was like, wow, good thing he's not fat. Because those things open just like barely, like yeah. two feet or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, Whoo, If he had, if he did, if he stuck his stomach out yep. or something, like he could have been. That's a it. All his circuits would have well, been fried. Well, remember
0: they had this moment where he beams down, and Doctor Mannheim previously had said, "Like, because my mind is split. Like, I don't know if I gave you guys all the right instructions to get to the lab. Yeah." And stuff. so he's like, "All right, I'll let Data know that." Which <laughs> was just like, "Okay." So this laser beam starts shooting at him, and I went immediately back to home soil where he, Data was yeah. like, I know exactly how to handle this. Pew, 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 right? Laser beams shooting away. Yeah. And, yeah. and this and Data was like, let's dance. Bring it. I'm an
1: expert at lasers shooting at me from the ceiling. The only difference is now that it's two. And I actually, I really like the scene. We skipped this part because like this episode's stupid, but I really like this scene in the episode where before he goes down, where Picard's talking to Data and is like, Data, I think we should have an away team of, team of one. It should just be you. And Data's like, oh, that makes sense because I'm a machine. So I'm disposable. And that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, is he sending data because he's an Android? Is it just like the send data out to be destroyed kind of show? Like, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, that's kind of lame, but I mean, makes sense. And so data was just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a machine. I'm disposable. Picard goes, no, you're indispensable. He said, no, that like the reason that I'm sending you is not because you're a machine and like, you don't mean anything. It's the exact opposite. He said, it's because you're a machine. You perceive time differently from the rest of us. And you're the only one who can actually handle the time distortions to do what needs to be done without getting disoriented. And he was
0: like, yes, that is also true. And I was like, because I didn't love this episode. I must've like got up to get a drink of water or something and just didn't even pause it. I was like, I'm sure I can hear it from the kitchen and just totally missed that part. (laughs) I did not even catch that scene whatsoever, but it does make sense. Like when you have issues of time, you need to send somebody who's not going to be affected right? Like it's exactly, it's exactly that. There is another episode entitled Clues. I don't know what season it's mm-hmm. in. It's definitely not season one, but it's mm-hmm. when the... Interpro- I think it's like season five. It's quite It's a, quite, a quite a ways, ways it's away. A, it's one of my favorite episodes. I love episodes. it so much where the whole crew wakes up out of being like knocked unconscious at the beginning and Data's like, oh, you guys were up for 30 seconds and we'll get into like that later. But he's the only one who's not affected. So he's the perfect person to be like the the solution for this Mm -hmm. so he goes Mm -hmm. in and I do I do love this moment when he data has to like use antimatter to like plug this hole or whatever and when the next Mannheim effect kicks in there are like multiple data's in the room and they're like well Mm -hmm. which one is the right one and and and, like they're very quickly able to figure out like the middle one is which I don't know why but whatever and I thought that was a really cool scene because you've got this like light exploding out of this like tube and then you've got like multiple data's it's really neat I was like wow that's
1: that I have to agree with you. That scene, not only that scene, but like, I mean, the, the costume yeah. and stuff on this episode were actually yes. really cool. Yeah. Um, and the settings were really cool. Like Paris was actually, they made a new mm-hmm. restaurant. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. They had a new set. Like there were some really cool visuals in this stupid yeah. episode. <laughs> and that was a really cool one. Like the lab and like the tube thing where it's like, that was amazing. And then I love the three datas, just like you said. And when they figured out it was the middle one, I was just like, well, why? Because they were talking and they said, and I just figured, like, the one who was closest, you were there when the time distortion happened. It's mm. you. But then when they split, they said, "Um, like, there are three of us here, but only one of us is at the right time. Like, because they were doing that countdown to 27 seconds. Yeah. So they're, like, hearing. And that's why, again, it was perfect for data because data can hear, like, hundreds of voices and distinguish them at the mm-hmm, same exact mm-hmm. time. So he's hearing the countdown and it's like, which one of us is at the right time? And he can even just determine like, oh, it's the one in the middle. I'm the one who's hearing the right countdown yes, at the right yes. time. And then they all like collapsed into one data and then poured it in and like packed yes. the hole. I was like,
0: that was cool. The splitting and the collapsing them. And like, that was cool. That, that was, was really, cool. really rad. I liked that a lot. Um, and and like, that was, I think, like the, the best part of the whole episode right there. It was yes. that scene if
1: they would have had more consequences yeah. of the Mannheim yeah. effect, this scene would have been even more powerful. If it was a life or death, you know, planet or culture, or society, universe is going to be destroyed without this moment. It would have been
0: even more satisfying emotionally. But as it was, it was just very pretty. It was very, very cool. pretty. It, that's exactly what it was. It was a pretty scene. It was cool. Um, but then it immediately becomes this disappointing thing where like, okay, Dr. Mannheim is going to be okay. He says they're like... He, he, in his, in his like moment of like, if something happens to me, like look out for Janice because she's fucking incapable of like doing anything for herself. Apparently (laughs) make sure she eats and she showers, like put food down for her twice a day, one cup, a little dab of medicine. Like, it's just like, I got to take care of like a cat basically. Like this is dumb anyway. But he does say like, gosh, we've been on this like very, very remote planetoid for like years doing this research. And I haven't really paid any attention to her. If we would have been like somewhere closer to like other civilization, like she probably would have left so he's expressing this remorse and like realizing like he really has not been a good partner and it is important to do that as much as we're all like I'm independent I do all that's like if you have decided to be in a Mm -hmm. partnership then you need to put in the work and be a partner and you're not going to be amazing Mm -hmm. at it all the time but you need to put keep putting that work in so he has basically said like wow as I'm dying I'm really realizing I was a shitty partner and then as he's all right now he's like we are gonna work even harder and and Janice Mm -hmm. as the stupid sexy lamp is like Okay, I mean, <laughs> okay. You told like, me my life would never be boring, and it never. You know was. what? It's horrible. It's horrible. You know what? Torture is not boring, but it's horrible. Okay, like this. Don't <laughs> promise <laughs> me that your life is never going to be boring. It's like, oh, that means it's just going to be a spiral of like a shit ton of things that could be a terrible. Like it, it, it's. Mm-hmm. I cannot gripe enough about this, but she does. She just very like willingly goes along, and then Picard. Wants to say goodbye properly because they have this little thing. Wait, wait, wait! Before before we get to this goodbye, back in the back in the sick
1: bay where he's like, "I'm going to redouble my efforts and you know neglect you I'm more. We re- quadruple like, it, Let's, yeah. Let's do it, woo! Then Picard chimes in with, "Well, we're going to have. I'm sure Starfleet would love to help you. Wait, what? Didn't we just say that this was like a very dangerous thing and the we have to patch the hole and the time loop's going to do something terrible
0: to the space time continuum? oh, but now that you're all right, let's just do it again. You were literally dying minutes ago and and having this great reckoning of like, wow, I've been a shitty partner. I've been hyper-focused on my work. It's not, it's only leading to danger. I've almost destroyed yes. the space-time You know continuum. what it is? It's, it's, what? it's as if the Chernobyl meltdown had happened and then they were able to go back in time and fix it. And then everybody back in Chernobyl is like, let's run the test again. It's like, what did you think was yeah. going to happen? What do you think is going to happen when you get to your solution and you rip open this, like, dimensional, it's going to happen again. It's a bad idea. Because there was no statement of, like, but let's do it differently. It was just like,
1: Janice, we are so close. I was actually there. I felt it. It's like. Yes, and you nearly died. So, okay. And killed other people potentially if,
0: I don't know. We we never found out. Anyway, so, yeah, so Picard says, like, okay, we'll be happy to help you. So he, he and Janice had this, like, flirty moment before where she was like, why didn't you show up to say goodbye, and he kind of comes up with a whole bunch of excuses, and he's really like, it really boils down to, like, I was afraid. I was afraid of what it meant. I was afraid of tying me down. I was afraid I was not going to have this, like, illustrious, like, Starfleet career I'd been envisioning in my head. And so he sets up the cafe in Paris in the holodeck again. And he ends up being able to like say goodbye to her properly, I guess. But why? But why? Like
1: <laughs> why? <laughs> and did the and was that the closure that they both really wanted? They both really wanted a sip of champagne in the cafe, and that made everything feel like exactly. it was closed and finished? Exactly. I was like,
0: you didn't even sit down. So they so they have this goodbye, and it was like really sucky and lame, whatever. So Picard is like all right guys our next stop is surely somewhere else and Riker's like trying to remember that name of the bar and and even Troy chimes in her like second line of the whole episode (laughs) and she's like oh it's right across from this like dance club or whatever and Picard says it's called the Blue Parrot and you're buying and I also thought they don't have any money how is she buying that's what I thought
1: (laughs) I was like how Yeah, how, isn't though, it? Isn't how? it
0: like it's called the blue it. parrot and you're replicating. You know or something like <laughs> It's not you're you're actually you're right, you don't have any money. So what do you, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows it. and honestly, who cares? <laughs> this episode is over. <laughs> it just <sighs> the end. <laughs> so, here's the good thing. We are so close to the end of season 1, which has been so much fun to, like, tear down with you um, and, like, d- dive into. There have been, like, a couple of, like, really, really great episodes, but mostly it's just been, like, what the F is going on? How were you guys renewed for season two? But whatever. But we are now at the, like, almost the climax of season one, which is the second part of the conspiracy story arc, which is next week. So next week, guys, we're diving into season one, episode 24, Conspiracy, which is really Kind of like the season finale. And then the writers were like, Oh wait, we have one more. We'll throw that on at the end. So yep. mm-hmm. season one is nothing if not consistent. It is a dumpster fire from beginning to end. <laughs> Also, I'm sorry, we we briefly mentioned that Tasha Yar has just died. The
1: In our last in week's last week's episode. episode
0: mm-hmm. And nobody's talking about her or anything. We're getting our flirt on. Nothing. No one remembers this, this, this just happened last week and no
1: one remembers this exactly. (laughs) So that's unfortunate. Rest in peace. (laughs) All
0: right. So next week we're diving into season one episode, 24 conspiracy. I can't wait to get into that one with you and finish that story arc. That's going to be really fun. Yeah,
1: it's going to be so fun. So definitely join us next time. It's going to be a lot more interesting than this episode was.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for hanging with us. Bye everybody. Bye.
1: Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetmgpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.